Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Coming up at the end of today's cast, a few words about how Reset is covering the police shooting of Adam Toledo. But first, we love Adam. That sound is from last night's Peace Walk for Adam Toledo in Little Village. It was one of several protests over the weekend following the release of body cam footage from Chicago police. Berto Aguayo is the executive director of the anti-violence initiative Increase the Peace. And he recently wrote an op-ed for Southside Weekly called We Are Adam Toledo. Berto helped organize last night's Peace Walk and he joins us now. Berto, tell us about last night's gathering in Little Village. How'd it go? I think after so much pain and so much anguish in the community, I think we finally saw a little ripple of hope um, during yesterday's event. We had um, more than a thousand people, uh, really intergenerational and really uh, an event that was by the hood, for the hood, with the little village residents leading. And it was beautiful to finally find some hope and find some healing and also call for some much needed systemic change. You know, we need to, you know, we call for the reallocation of resources so that our communities can have what they need and we can invest in our young people. Uh, And it was a beautiful event. You know, we had Aztec dancing. We had mariachi serenading Adam Toledo's family under the Little Village Arc on 26th Street. And it was just a beautiful way to build community. How do gatherings like that, like last night's Peace Walk, how do they help communities heal? Uh, Well, one, I think they bring community together to collectively cope, but also to collectively decide on what is the next step. And I think one thing that was very clear for everyone that attended is that in order to prevent more of these tragedies, uh, we have to stop the bleeding. And both police and street violence have one common denominator, and that's the disinvestment that communities like Little Village, like Back of the Yards, like Brighton Park have seen throughout the decades. And so in order for us to stop the bleeding, we need to invest in our young people and summer jobs and violence prevention services and mental health, housing, and all the wraparound services that come with it instead of spending money on uh, the police that would just react to crime and make matters a lot worse. And it's been a few days now, as I mentioned, since the body cam footage was released, right? Yeah. What else is top of mind for you right now? (sighs) Top of mind for me is just the way young men of color, specifically in our communities, are not given the same presumption of innocence um, or the same compassion that other people in this country are given. You look at Kyle Rittenhouse, kills two people, walks around with an AR-15, and then the police escort him out, give him some water, and tell him, good job. And then you see Adam Toledo. He is a 13-year-old boy who complies, puts his hands up, and is still killed. And regardless if he was a good kid or a bad kid, his life mattered, just like everyone else's life mattered. Uh, And I think ultimately that's one of the things that's top of mind for me. You talked about the togetherness happening right now in the community. 
how do you think younger people are doing? How are they? Uh, well, I think younger folks and we, one of our youth leaders wasn't able to make it because she's currently busy, but, um, you know, she spoke at the, at the rally and, um, there's a lot of pain, um, right. But a lot of anger. Um, and now I think what we saw yesterday was finally being able to channel that anger to action and challenging the system that creates these conditions in our neighborhood and saying, Hey, why is 1% of our city budget going to violence prevention while we have 40% of our city budget going to the police department and starting to ask those questions about what's the next step. And I think ultimately what we saw yesterday was kind of a transition moment of turning that anger and that pain into hope and to action. And it was a beautiful uh, way to, to do that. So uh, to that point, Berto, like what are you hoping for the city to do? What are you hoping for in terms of a response? Um, what I'm hoping is for city officials and, and city government to finally have the political courage to tackle the problem of violence in the city and to stop doing small little incremental things just to get a good PR or a good press release uh, put together. What we really need is a simple solution that they know and we all know, which is we need to invest in our hoods, we need to invest in our young people. Uh, what does that specifically look like? It looks reallocating resources from the Chicago Police Department that, who will just react to crime to things that will actually prevent crime. And what will prevent crime is summer jobs, but not just summer jobs. We need year-round jobs for our young people. In a community like Little Village, 71% of young people are unemployed. So what do we need? We need to create a year-long youth program that has jobs available for our young people year-round, after-school programs, mental health counseling, social workers. Adam Toledo was an artist, and he didn't have an art class in his school. We need to invest in our schools so they can have art classes, social workers, counselors. All of these things that we know create healthy communities, that communities in Lincoln Park have, that communities uh, in Lakeview have, that suburban communities have, we deserve those things too. And that's what I hope changes. That's what we're going to be demanding and holding politicians accountable for, because the time for nice sound bites is over, and the time for change is now, and we're not going to stop until we get it. Do you expect any charges will be brought against the officer? Or any resignations? I would hope so, and I am an optimist. But I am also pragmatic enough to know how this country operates and how uh, most police officers that engage in this kind of behavior go without being punished or without justice being served. So although I'm hopeful and we're going to continue fighting for that, I also know that the system was not really designed for us and that the system actually protects people who kill children <laughs> instead of protecting the children that it's supposedly trying to protect. So um, I hope that answers your question, but yeah. fortunately... Not to. You're remaining hopeful. Yeah, remaining hopeful and remaining ready for to make it happen and ready to to go on the streets to make it happen. Berto, as we mentioned earlier, you recently wrote an op-ed for Southside Weekly. It's called "We Are Adam Toledo." How did that come together? Uh, well, it actually came together because I was deeply disappointed that community quote unquote leaders were staying quiet, and there was a lot of demonization of this 13-year-old boy before the video came out. And 
I felt the need to, to speak up because I saw, I saw myself in Adam. I was once Adam. I, I was raised by a single mother in back of the yard. I would sneak out sometimes and I know that I could have been in his shoes. And I know so many Adams that I've worked with now through, through the work that we do who are in that same predicament. And I felt the need to, to be able to call that out and, and to make sure that we humanized who this 13-year-old boy was, that regardless of whether he, he was a good kid or a bad kid, his life mattered. And that in order for us to really change that, I, I needed to put my story out there yeah. to be able to let people know what could have been of Adam's life. But we never gave him that chance. You know, and that's kind of how the op-ed came about. Um, you wrote, I can't help to think that he too was just a lost boy with no one to turn to. And I can't help to think that he too could have turned his life around if he had attended an art class, an after-school program, or had resources to help him and his mom navigate life in the neighborhood. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think ultimately that's kind of the demands that we had yesterday. And one of the things that I also shared in the op-ed is how the way I was able to go from someone who was gang affiliated to getting out of the gang life and going to college and doing what I do now is right. because my mom asked the grocery store owner across the street from where she worked, hey, can you hire my son? He's 14 years old. And if you don't hire him, he's going to end up in a casket this summer. And the grocery store owner replied and he said, hey, I don't have enough money to bring him on. And my mom said, I'll pay part of his wage. Just help me. You know, and that opportunity working at that grocery store saved my life. And then later, a principal, um, when I was a little older, my junior year of high school, then gave me another opportunity to intern at a city council member's office in Lincoln Park. And that showed me that the world is bigger than the South Side, but it also showed me that, hey, I can get somebody a trash can. I can help somebody uh, organize a cleanup. And those opportunities, you know, the fact that the grocery store owner took a risk on me and, and brought me in, kept me busy, the principal that believed in me to be able to get an opportunity like that right. to help find my purpose. Those people are the reason why I'm here even talking on this interview. And I know that if Adam would have received those same opportunities, maybe he would have been a great artist, a recognized artist in our community. He could have been someone who we looked up to, but because we didn't give him those opportunities for either him or his mom to be able to navigate life in the neighborhood, we would never know. And I think that's the biggest tragedy of all. That we will never know where you could have been. And, and I think when you look at that and you think about the fact that we're just losing our future in our communities, we're losing, whether it's to police or street violence, we're losing the future of our communities. And that's, and that's a tragedy. What can we do to reach more young people and, and drive down violence here? Um, I think like my story and like the stories of the Adams that I work with in the community, again, an investment in our young people, right? Expanding job opportunities for the whole year, not just in the summer, and for that, those job opportunities to pay a decent wage to our young people. For us to increase the amount of after-school and out-of-school opportunities for young people 13 to 26, um, making sure that they have an after-school program to go to, a workforce development training that they can attend, mental health counseling, social workers, art classes. We also need to invest in the street outreach that it's going to take to be literally out on the street, helping young people, connecting them to resources. Another idea is 
what if we turned every single CPS elementary school into a community center that, that was ran by older young people that are coming out of college uh, to be a space for young families and young people in the community to reconnect to services, for them to use the gym, for them to use the, the computers. The assets are there. We just got to utilize them and we got to make them accessible to the community because they should be for and by the community. So those are all very simple solutions that we can tackle, but they take political courage, but they also take a lot of investment. And that's why we are demanding that instead of spending 40% of our city budget on the police department and only 1% on violence prevention, we have to reimagine that. That can no longer be the case. We need to be able to reallocate some of those resources to go fund these very programs that will prevent these tragedies from happening again and again. And to the people listening right now, Berto, what do you want them to take away from not only reading your piece, your op-ed, but hearing your words today? If nothing else, what should we walk away with? I think if nothing else, it's that, once again, regardless of whether Adam Toledo was a good kid or a bad kid, his life mattered. He was a 13-year-old boy who didn't have the resources that so many other people have. He didn't have the privileges that so many other people take for granted. And I would ask them to really think about their presumptions about who we are and their presumptions about our communities and to really ask people on the ground what is it they need. And when we say what we need, to listen, to hear us, and to be our allies in the fight for getting those things that we need. That's Berto Aguayo, Executive Director of Increase the Peace. Berto, thank you so much. Thank you. Before we wrap today, I want to talk a little bit about how we've been covering the Toledo shooting. Now, we've covered the story from a number of angles and with a number of guests here on Reset. We've checked in with activists, community organizers, aldermen, a police accountability expert, and more. We also heard from several listeners who asked, where were Adam's parents? Why was he out at 2 a.m.? He was allegedly carrying a gun. Why aren't you talking about that? In most of our conversations, we did talk about Adam's parents, the late hour, and what we knew so far about whether Adam had a gun. But we've made a deliberate decision not to make those questions a central part of our coverage. Here's why. As journalists, we make editorial decisions every day. And on Reset, we've decided to focus on the top-line issue here. And that's the fact that police shootings are a systemic problem, not just in Chicago, but across the country. And the additional, very disturbing fact that police officers are killing black and brown people at a disproportionate rate. At this moment, the nation is still reeling from the police killing of Dante Wright, We're also awaiting a crucial jury verdict in the police killing of George Floyd. Chicago's Civilian Office of Police Accountability released a horrific video last week, which shows the final moments of a 13-year-old before his life was also taken by police. This is not okay. On Reset, we've decided to focus on these questions. What changes can be made to our policing system to reduce harm and increase public safety? How can we truly hold police accountable? And how do we make police shootings stop? A child, a seventh grader, has died a tragic death. 
Adam Toledo is one of too many black and brown Americans killed by officers whose job it is to serve and protect the public. This isn't about one officer or one department. The pattern is clear. Like with many American institutions, systemic racism runs deep in our policing system. And it's our duty as journalists to interrogate that system and to figure out how to make it better. Man, woman, child, every race, religion, every age, we all, all deserve to be safe in our country and in our communities. And on Reset, we are focused on how we get there. That's today's Reset. I am Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for listening, and we will meet again tomorrow. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.